This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 329 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Total Saddle Fit and EasySignsOnline.com. Felicitas von Newman Cosell stops by with the Dressage Today Tips of the Month, and Michelle Folden does the Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week about going to regionals. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. It's funny. I have to. I have to really. Did you move? It's been Fergus for so long. Yeah, it was Fergus for so long. Ah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't know you moved. Yeah. Didn't we talk about this? We did. I don't know. Maybe that week. Yeah. Well, well, congratulations. (laughs) I guess. Yeah, it's good. We moved closer to Mayor's work, so. So you actually are together now. You guys used to be apart a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We live in the same place every day of the week. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's like we're married. You're, yeah, you're totally married now. Yeah, we thought we'd take the ne- we we thought we'd take the next step and and move move in together. We totally be married. <laughs> that is cool. good. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And Meredith had a really good show over the weekend, right? I want to give her a shout out. Can you give Meredith a shout out? Yeah, yeah. she uh, she rode really well. She hasn't shown in in a lot of years. Um, but there's a horse that uh, that she rides. It's from a client, a really nice client of mine that. Uh, um, the the lady that owns the horse doesn't doesn't really show anymore. Can't really show anymore. So um, Meredith has been helping her out, riding her a couple of days a week, and and I said, uh, why don't we just organize and get get going to a show? So it was really nice. We shared some of the costs, and 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 Mare was really nervous, but once she got in there, she rocked it. Seventy percent in the second test one, and seventy two in the second test two. So. Good maybe it, maybe it would have been seventy four, you know, or whatever. Yeah, that's three, going right? up. But we thought Good. two, two tests was enough for that day. Yeah, and that's enough. It was a really crappy day. It was raining and, and stuff. But uh, she did a great job. So shout out to Meredith. Yay, Yay. well done. It's hard to get. You know, she she took time off. Uh, I think I've also had students take off either time to have children or you know, Mare went to vet school and yeah, uh, it's school, hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to go back. It's really, really nerve wracking when you when you've been out of it for a while. And yeah, she didn't know how it was going to go, but now he, are you her coach? Her. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I. How does that go? It doesn't always go well with husband and wives that way. Some <laughs> some days really good. <laughs> some days not so good. It I don't know. Tough. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the, if there's a magic recipe. Or whatever, I haven't found it yet. Yeah, it's uh, get a coach that's not your husband. That's the magic yeah, recipe. I would think so. <laughs> no, I mean, if you want success, you have to have me as your coach. Oh, I got it. <laughs> well, but, I will. So. I will we'll share. Travis wants you know wants to ride and wants me to coach him, and I'm like, oh no, that didn't no, work no. for Jennifer and I. No, no, it's tough. That the fact that you guys can do it. She had right. one of her working students coach me. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, that's, that's what I told Travis. Okay. I'm like, I have very qualified people that are not me. To help you, <laughs> it yeah, just no you know, there's just that underlying thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's always there. I, I'm well, very respectful. I, I was I was her coach before we were together, so yeah. But now you're of... living together every day. <laughs> yeah, but we we understand each other very well, and yeah, you know. Well, I coach my best friend, so um, and 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 she's also a veterinarian, so you know, I think. If you are, you know, friends with your coach or I think it, you really have to have separation. This is, I am coaching you and, and this is my thing. And when she's doing um, veterinary work, she's the expert, you know, and I'm asking. So I think you have to be just, just careful that everybody. Draw some lines. Yeah, yeah. Draw some lines and set some boundaries and this and that. And it can work okay. Yeah. Yeah. They do a really good job. So. Good yeah. job, Mayor. Shout out to Meredith. Well done. <laughs> So what's been going on with Reese? The world of yeah, Reese. Yeah, we had a we had a really busy uh, week this week. Uh, Conrad Schumacher was in for our fall clinic. You know, he comes here spring and fall, and uh, I did grab him to go to my class. So that was super fun. He went to the University of Kentucky uh, and did taught my class on Monday. Very smart of me, and uh, <laughs> that was pretty fun to 
to have him come and, and sort of take a different role. And it's, it's fun to hear. It was more of a business talk. Uh, so that was great fun. And then we um, worked really hard, uh, you know, on getting ready for regionals. We'll talk about that with Michelle Folden here in a little while. But we worked especially with uh, Hello, who we've been talking about this summer. <laughs> Poor guy. He, he kind of struggles with the rain back and the walk pirouettes. Um, and there will be in our regional test. So we really focused right. on that. Yeah, we yeah. really focused on on those pieces, uh, which also, you know, really um, deal with engagement of the haunches and the hindquarters. And yeah. my guy's six, so he actually is quite engaged and, and balanced for a six-year-old, but he's a really top-notch six-year-old. So um, that is sort of my goal for the next, you know, six months. Uh, so we really worked hard on that, and and we did a lot of rainback. And Felicitas von Newman Cassell will talk about. Uh, it was actually really great when she talked about the rainback in her uh, discussion about engagement. Um, and I think you'll enjoy that. So we worked a lot on that. And uh, I have one great quote from Mr. Schumacher, and we're going to write it on some sort of board. I don't know how we're going to do it, but the quote was, "The only time." Talent is before work is in the dictionary. So I wanted to share that. The only time talent is before work is in the dictionary. So I hope that is sort of some inspiration for the week, for sure. Cool. Well, that's awesome. I I think maybe we'll just uh, get to the show right after this commercial. This week's EasySignsOnline.com Spotlight product is their New England Style Farm Signs, their most popular line of signs. New England Style Farm Signs are very durable and designed for long-term outdoor use with no maintenance required. No wood to rot and no paint to peel. They will outlast the old-style painted wood signs by many, many years. They are available in many sizes, shapes, and styles, which makes them the perfect sign for any farm or business. Go online today and go through the EasySignsOnline.com easy step-by-step ordering process to see all the prices and options available. They also offer free, no-obligation sign proofs on all New England-style signs. And you get free shipping as well on all New England-style signs. So replace your old worn-out sign and make a great first impression with a new farm sign from EasySignsOnline.com. And the holidays are right around the corner, so it's a terrific gift idea. I can't think of a better one. Visit EasySignsOnline.com. Well, this evening, it is our pleasure to have Felicitas von Neumann-Cassell, a USDF uh, gold medalist and FEI trainer and instructor. Felicitas, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. We're very excited. You are helping us with our Dressage Today segment. So let's just get started about talking about your last article. Very good. The subject of my last article is something that's been very close to my heart doing all of my training over the last years and it really is maybe trying to put things in perspective of how to help a horse to carry itself, how to get more beautiful within the training. Um, we have an osteopath who comes to our barn and he, I think, puts it very well. He says there are few people that actually train their horses. That means they get physically to become better athletes, to move better, to become more beautiful. And then there are people we use horses that showing and teaching them the tricks and they move up the ladders and the ranks. But when you look at the horse, it physically sometimes rather even deteriorates instead of gets prettier. Sometimes the movement gets flatter. And I tried to point out some details that maybe uh, people weren't so aware of. And so I hope I maybe heightened that awareness a little bit. This is, this is a really awesome topic because it sort of tied in. We were talking last uh last week about you know top line and muscle development so so maybe you can lead mm-hmm. us into a bit of a discussion about about what you talked about in the article and how you can tell whether you're 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 training the tricks or you're actually training to develop the horse exactly exactly and i just think that uh, that there really aren't enough guidelines for people to see what really to look for and I think there's a big danger in people going to the horse shows and watching horses that sometimes show very successful and get 
pretty high scores that still really don't show the classical development that they should have. And so I think it's often tough, particularly for the amateur, to decide what's really good or what isn't good. And I feel there is really not always a score that would really reflect on the basic quality of the training. And I think that's a loophole that we're having a problem with. No, I totally agree. I think you're absolutely right. You go to a horse show, you maybe see a big score, uh, but then if you really look at it classically, is that horse really coming from behind? Um, so can you give us some tips on how you would tell your students to sort of look at the right picture? Well, often what I tell them to do is to A, look at how the muscles appear them and I do give them an idea of how to look at the neck and when you look at the neck in the article I talked a lot about the basculing muscle of the horse but if you don't really have that appearance that the horse uses the top part of his neck and reaches out with it rather than just curls up with it um, then the energy doesn't really flow really from back to front to the rider's hands and so one of the things I point out often is that if you focus and look at the bit in the horse's mouth, you, it's very easy to see if there is tension and pressure in the contact or if there is a relative lightness in the contact. One of the things you see very often is that the bit is pulled through one side of the horse's mouth constantly. It doesn't matter which direction it's going. Um, most of the time it's the left, it's heavier on the left rein. So you can see that the rider constantly has more pressure in one hand than in the other. Uh, once they move up and ride in the double bridle, very often you can see the tension in the curb range. And when you see the shank of the curb big parallel to the ground, and you see the horse's big slight, the mouth slightly open, and you think about the pressure it gets on the jaw through the curb chain and on the pole, through the pole pressure, you realize that the horse is in a headset. It really cannot get light in this particular situation. It cannot reach to the hand. All it can do is lean, and what you see is horses that either back up or horses that get tense and run away. And so I think that there, you know, if you allow your eye to just go to the horse's mouth and to the neck and see if there's a flow from back to front to the rider's hands and a horse that can actually chew in a bit, and a comment I made is that the horse has to, the Germans say abstoß, and it has to back itself a little bit away from the bit to carry itself to lighten by taking the half halt and raising its chest. It can only do that if there is not 500 pounds of pressure on the bit, because how can you back away from that? It's not possible. <laughs> right, right. So, so the bit is a good, a good thing to look for. The neck is a good thing to look for. Um, what are some other places? Probably the the back of the horse and the hind leg of the horse. I well, think are very then important. obviously comes the it comes the rest of it. One of the things that you can see is, of course, how far does the horse's hind leg step forward? Does it round or does the cruise kind of stay in a good angle so the hind leg can step forward, or is the horse kind of flattening behind the saddle and stays strung out, which of course is not desirable. And you know, I think another thing I look for a lot that's not always there is when you really look at the horse's rib cage, you look at his side and you look at it going through a corner, you can see your horse lifting up the rib cage and actually bending. And when the horse bends in the middle, you see an, an, you know, an even curve through the whole horse um, and not swinging wide, for example, in a small circle and also its shoulders standing up into the turn, not falling down onto the shoulders. And I think that's also something we don't see very often, horses that really bend beautifully in the middle. Often they bend too much in the neck, or they don't really bend enough so the haunches are falling out. And I think those are things that we see quite often. Yeah, there, there's something that I like to talk about in some of my lessons and stuff is um, is to see whether the horses the horse's ab muscles are engaged, whether the horse's core, exactly. like we talk a lot, a lot about our riders engaging their core, but the horse also has to sort of, you know, li lift the belly up into the back. So if, if you're not great at looking, you know, and the, and the horse's conformation can sometimes be a little bit slopey, you know, towards the hip, I think you can also, Absolutely. you can also look for the, the core of the horse. Absolutely. And it's something I look at very much. And if you work with good people who do good body work with their horses, I mean, everybody gently lifts their belly up with a little stimulation under the belly or even 
you know, at the side, you know, right behind the side, right behind the girth, right where your leg is. If you come and you give a little impulse with your fingernail, uh, if of course it's open to move and not stiff and sore or whatever, it'll lift the rib cage a little away. And what I do sometimes to show a rider from, you know, when they sit on them, what they would like to feel a little bit, sometimes I come and I reach a little bit under the belly or behind the leg to make the horse lift. And then I gently take my hand across to the opposite uh, glute of the horse and stimulate them there a little to make them actually really bend in the middle as if it was a hunch of thing or bending. And it, it's amazing how the rider feels, how the back actually lifts them up. And there's a whole different connection to the top line when the horse does that. No, it's so true. And you can really feel it <laughs> when, oh, you, when really the horse, yeah, <laughs> you can, then you can sit on the horse. It's sort of, you find that sweet exactly. spot because it kind of lifts and, you into and, it. And you find the sweet spot, the horse will give you a place to sit. And the other thing you can feel is, you know, right now we have, we start to breed horses that have a tremendous amount of movement that are often hyper flexible. And when you look closely, they're literally lacking stability and that when the back raises like that and connects like that, all of a sudden there is a lot more stability. And so then the legs follow through in a straight matter. They hit the ground better. And I do believe the horse connected in that way also is prone to less injury because I think they're hitting the ground straighter and more square. So you don't get so much torque on the legs. You, you know, a horse is struggling and falling and leaning in is not going to hit the ground straight and square. And so you have a lot more stress on the, on the, Headlocks and, and other areas. So, yeah, because that that is true. You know, once when a horse is worked properly, the theory the theory is when a horse is worked properly, they don't need the chiropractor and the acupuncturist and and all of that. Their that their muscles are yeah. well. I mean, I think you know, as if as since nobody is perfect, I think you know we all do the very best to do our best to make it perfect. But I have to say, it will take a lot less. And what I then, for example, see body work for almost as an enhancement. So you got that far, and maybe I have a very good osteopath who then opens my horse up for just a little more. Sure. For example, and yeah. it's more it's then performance enhancing instead of uh, you know damage control. Yes, that's how that's, I would look at body work. That's yeah, no, I, I think that's. That's fantastic description. So can you also, yeah. you, you mentioned it about the hind legs sort of matching the front legs. This is cer- this certainly a hot topic right now. Uh, can you talk a yeah. little bit about that development and how you can, you can see that in a horse? Well, I mean, in the perfect world, you have a horse that comes with that type of natural movement, meaning uh, that's what I would look for if I'd buy a horse for myself with joint bend, where the joint bend of the hind leg matches the joint bend of the front. Some people look at the cannon bones and, and you know, compare the, you know, the angle of the cannon bone at the same time. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with the horse, A, the way its pelvis develops in its ability to tuck its pelvis in order to sit more to bring the hind leg closer. And also sometimes with the ability, the energetic ability to really push off the ground. Some horses are just by nature a little slower and their hind legs don't bend as easily and as quickly. And so, you know, all the work and collection and going forward and coming back helps to get them basically lighter on their feet. And in the end, Catherine Passage gets them ultimately lighter on their feet and it should enhance the joint bend. Um, maybe Felicitas, you can give us uh, an example of a good, you know, a good exercise that would that would help somebody to develop um, you know, self-carriage and, and, and a better hind leg. Oh, uh, that's like, <laughs> there are so many of us really depend a little bit on the horse's particularity, where it is in its level, what its particular problem is. Um, you know, if a horse is a little strung out and that crook kind of stays flat, what I like to do is, for example, haul do a rain back. Sometimes I even back up in the shallow serpentine and I really make sure that my leg, you talked about the abdominals, I make sure that even if I have to take a little bit of spur and pick the horse's rib cage up, the horse actually brings up its rib cage in the hind in, in the in the backing up. And when I feel that the crook tucked in the belly up, 
then they'll strike off out of that, trying to give the horse a feeling of what it is like to strike off with the hind legs closer to the body, instead of always striking off with uh, the hind legs, you know, flattened Way out in the group yeah. and the hind legs sure. right behind. Yeah. I mean, another thing I might do is take it on a very gentle slope and go just a little bit downhill in the collector trot because the downhill already engages the horse that has to, in order to not fall downward, has to bring the hind legs a little closer. And, and sometimes even, you know, on a little steeper slope, I might stop downhill and then back the horse up. So it has to go backwards uphill just to, to show the ability that it can angulate that pelvis in a different way. But yeah. all of these things yeah, that's are very good. Yeah, that's very good. And very, you know, very straight and only a few steps. And it's, I think, very important to reward the horses, um, you know, willingness right away and not go forward so long until you get resistance. I think it's really important to praise the horse when things go well and only do a few steps and then rather repeat it a couple of times. So I think that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, but eventually, I, I I just want to return to the exercise of doing a rain back in a in a shallow loop or serpentine idea. You're you're yeah. doing more than a few steps there, are you not? Yeah, in that case, I do. If I have a horse that does an honest rain back, I can go back. I don't know, quietly, ten steps, however long I want to go back yeah. up. Yeah, I think and that's an important point I, because if I do my little yeah. shallow serpentine exactly, I can pick up one rib cage. And use one rein, and then I pick up the other rib cage, and be able to use the other rein so the horse stays really soft on both sides, lifts on both sides of the rib cage. Because often, when you, when even in the backup, you can feel the horse being stuck a little bit more on one side than the other. Yeah, and sure. you know, some horses don't want to back up with their hind legs closed, so they like to step out, or you know. And so it's a nice exercise to make them really focus on where their legs are, so the horse gets a better idea of the proper reception where their legs are. Yeah, I think this is important because, you know, the tests only show three, four, five steps of rain back. But I think, you know, for my own day-to-day, it's been useful to to teach the horse to, to go back as long as you want, right? And not just Absolutely. not just for the yeah. test, but for the training of the horse. And, Absolutely. And, um, and I know, think yeah. it's very important at this point to say because for a long time, growing up in Germany, you were told, you know, backing up a horse more than four steps is punishment. Well, I think that's, that's baloney. I think when you back your horse up quietly and softly on the aids, why should you not be backing up until you get the feeling you want and then move forward again? Right. You know, when it's not done with yeah. force, when it's not done in anger, I mean, that's a whole different thing. And I don't really believe backing a horse up is punishment anyway. Right, so, right, right. That's a different, that's a different, discussion well, altogether. Yeah, it's yeah, a different but, discussion. But exactly. it's, I think it's a training tool and we can use it and it's very useful. Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. that's a, that's I mean, a very great tip. Yeah, horses really get more flexible and get more movement. Absolutely. Yeah. And get the hind legs underneath them. And, and yeah, flex the Absolutely. hips and the, and the stifles, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. Well, Felicitas, thank you. you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was well, going to... I was just saying, if you wanted any other exercises... Clearly, you know, I like to do a lot of transitions, for example, within lateral work. Like I like to use the haunches in and ride trot counter transitions, counter trot transitions within the haunches in and walk trot, trot walk transitions within the haunches in with the same feeling what I described earlier, really getting the bend so the horse picks up the rib cage, but the outside really stays controlled. That can be a very helpful exercise too. Yeah, that's a really helpful exercise and really helps get that inside hind leg active and under. I think maybe maybe we'll we'll talk about that next time. We gotta say, we gotta save you a little bit for Felicitas for our next interview. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, good talking to you guys. Yes, Felicitas. Thanks so much for coming on the show this evening. Felicitas, if our listeners wanted to find you online, how do they do that? That would be Facebook or First Choice Farm. Dot com, but First Choice Farm uh, website is probably not as up-to-date as my Facebook page. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Very good. Have a good evening. This tip brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love.
And here's why. The Saddle Fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the Shoulder Relief Girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At TotalSaddleFit.com. Visit TotalSaddleFit.com. For our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, I am excited to introduce Michelle Folden to talk about getting ready for regional championships. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's always so fun to be with y'all. Well, we are so excited. You are getting 21... Did I get that right? Horses and riders yes. ready? Oh, you're 21 right. horses that we're taking to our regional set is correct. There are two of those horse rider combinations that are showing in the open show. So we have 19 horse rider combinations qualified. I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally bowing to you right now. I think that's amazing. <laughs> so we were chatting today and I said, hey, come on to the show and talk to us a little bit about some tips for preparing for regional finals. So go for it. All right, so I did make some quick notes, and the first tip that I want to say to anybody who thinks they want to do regional is to make sure you declare your region by July 1st um, if you're not going to compete in your region. So we're from South Carolina. We're in Region 3, and I think, Reese, you're from Kentucky, so you're in Region, is that 2? That's 2, yeah, I'm in 2. Yes, so if you want to compete in a different region, you need to just let the USDF know, and it doesn't cost any money. You just have to go in and declare it. So that is number one for me when I'm thinking about my year goals to go to regionals. Number two is to get qualified. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's really important. So you have to do two of the whatever level. So if you want to do training level, two training threes, at two different shows and two different judges, and you have to achieve your score that the USDF requires. And pay Once $10. You've done that, right? I'm sorry? And, and pay $10. Like, that's Oh, yeah, well, you $10. have to always pay $10. That's when you enter, you have to pay that extra $10. So make sure you do that. Um, and then once you think you're qualified, double-check it. Go to the USDF site and make sure, indeed, that you are qualified. And if you're not, call them or talk to your show secretary because sometimes things get put in wrong and you are qualified, but you know someone missed something. So yeah. once you've done that and you know for sure that you're qualified, then for us, we're going to Region 3, which is in Conyers, Georgia. So I went through and sat down one evening and I read the entire show program from how to enter, who to make checks out to, hotels to choose from, what the classes were, what days the classes were, and I made some notes, Um, stabling, if I needed extra stabling, who night watch would be, who braiders would be, videographers, and just notes so that I was prepared. And then I made a little plan in my head, and you can do this whether you're big or little, of my travel plans. You know, all right, I'm showing on Friday. That's my championship ride. And there's no open classes on Thursday. Do I want my horse to travel six hours in the trailer through Atlanta traffic on Thursday, get there, be sweaty, hot, tired, I'm frustrated, try to set my stall up, get on at 5 p.m. school, and then maybe have a 9 a.m. showtime? No, I do not. So I knew I wanted to arrive on Wednesday because I don't want to do that to my horse or myself. So you have to make the travel plans that work within your work schedule, your horse's schedule, and your ideal plans. And then 
I recommend that you enter the show well before the closing date if you can. If you're qualified in June and you know you're going and the show opens in July, go on ahead and enter. It really helps the show management to know and have an idea of how many people might be coming. And it also just secures the way you're, you're thinking and your thoughts with you and, and training. And if you have to scratch, if you scratch before the closing date, you get everything back but your office fee. So um, I think Michelle, this is an awesome it. point. This is because mm-hmm. I'm involved in running some shows and I'm, I you know, also enter shows and stuff. And like you said, for show management, enter the show three months before and, and then you, you can make your decision to scratch or not before the closing date. So many people right. don't it realize this. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's not, yeah, it might be a small fee. It may be no fee for most shows. Well, for our shows, right. you know, uh, for a normal show, the, the show office will, jo- will just thank you, you know, tear up your check or, or whatever, right? Like for our own club. We don't cash the checks until after the closing date. Right. So if, if you just, if you, you can, you can always cancel, but why do we always get all these, you know, FedEx entries the day of, or the day just after the closing date when, when you can enter a long time before and then decide and make a phone call or send an email? How much easier is that? How much less stress is that? Huh? <laughs> oh, it's, and I have to tell you because we are very big, we do all cycles of that and I the last minute ones they drive me crazy and I'm always a last minute person I mean show secretaries know me and not always because of the good reason unfortunately because of the bad reason and I hate it so I really recommend getting in there so we did we got 16 entered well before the time and we were very happy about that and then and when I tell you all this with taking 21 horses I do want you to know it's not me alone. I don't teach eight lessons a day and ride four horses or 10. I never ride 10 horses in a day anymore, but I don't do that all day long, come home, cook dinner for my family, and then, you know, do everything else. I have great, great help that helped me with, okay, we need to enter. We need to do this. We need to contact these people. I really recommend early on contacting Nightwatch, Raider, photographer, videographer, even if you're not sure if you want your photos, just let them know so they maybe take a few shots of you because you never know. That might be the one time you do win. You weren't <laughs> thinking you were going to win, and by golly, <laughs> you win, and there's no photos because you didn't oh. sign on. And also, I think it's really important when you go to a horse show to really support the people that are there trying to make a living. Support the night watch. Don't think, oh, well, I'm not going to pay for night watch because, you know, Mr. Smith down at the end, he signed on for it, and surely they'll see if my horse is like cast or college. That is actually give my the, pet peeve. Yeah, that is my yeah. pet peeve. Give them the ten dollars a night. They're staying up all night. Let them look at your horse and tell you if they were eating, drinking, lying down. It's so wonderful, and it's a great way to make more contacts. I think it should and be mandatory. I'm just throwing me that out. Me too. I that totally agree with you. Those guys are going to call no matter what, and I totally agree with you always do night plus you'll just sleep better i don't worry it's it i yeah, know me it's either me it's to great i'm just saying <laughs> sorry and <laughs> normally my group we do all of our own braiding but this time we have 21 horses and um last weekend we competed and i had 11 horses and i did something funny to my hand and it was bothering me so i said i'm not going to braid and we hired a braider it was the best race I'd ever seen in my life. I tried to get her to come with us to Conyers in a couple of weeks, but she's going to St. Louis. You should hire her. I'm going <laughs> to hire her. Anyhow, Check. Um, it's, I've never seen braids like this. Anyhow, let them know if you're going to need their services so they're prepared. Please don't wait, especially for a braider, you know, two nights before you think you're going to need them because they're going to be really busy. So you have all of that done. You've made your plans, you've made your hotel reservations, your horse is all settled, order your bedding. And if you think, you know, I might want more than three bags, we don't carry our own bedding to horse shows. I used to do it. And as I've gotten older, it's too many times moving it. And I'm real funny about how many times I have to touch something before I use it. And so I'm willing to pay $8 or $10 to have those shavings sitting by the stall. For me, it's well worth it. Everyone gets to make their own financial decisions on that. 
but we ordered everybody's bedding so it was already there and even some extra so I don't have to go to the show office first thing. And those horses can be set up and very happy the first night. Yeah, we do the same um, thing. Absolutely. It's just easier. Yeah. You know, the less stress yeah. you can put on your body and your mm-hmm. brain, the better mm-hmm. it's going to go. And then my next thing that I want to say, so you're entered, life is good. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to get real serious about where you are in the field of competition. The first thing I recommend that you do is take your training threes. We're using training three. It doesn't matter if you're doing pre George or the Grand Prix or whatever. Lay your training threes out from the year. Do it from January 1 to the current time. And look at your strengths and look at your weaknesses. Can you keep your, your strengths strong? Could you make them a little stronger? Are they good enough? Your weaknesses. Can you keep it level? Could you improve it or will improving it? I have a horse that walks a little funny with tension, so we don't try to improve it a lot. We just try to keep her relaxed. Don't work on it. If you know that working on it doesn't help it, let it be. And then the next thing you should do at your test when you're looking at it is know where your coefficients are. It's, my husband talks about this all the time. It's like playing Scrabble. You've got to lay down your big numbers where the times twos are. So, you know, in training three, you've got your stretch circle, you've got your walk stretch, and you've got your rider scores that, you know, they're one and one, but they're really two. Do you want to make that very strong? You want to work on your halt. It's your beginning and your end of every test. So you want to make sure the horse halts round as square as possible. And you want to make those numbers very strong for yourself. And then from there, I I would say to practice your test from memory. I make my students at the horse show. So all of my students that are showing at regionals have all gone to a horse show in the last 30 days. And I made them ride their training three, their first three, their second three, without a collar and without a whip. Just They were already qualified, so I wasn't worried we needed a score. Just to see how it went so we could go, okay, well, that wasn't like we thought, or that was super. And make sure you can do that. Don't wait until your regional finals to get rid of your whip and ride the test from memory for the first time. You're going to panic. And mm-hmm. all of your friends and your spouse and your trainer are going to panic, too. Really have that under control. <laughs> then it's when true. you practice this, it, I'm sorry. No, it's great. That's great advice. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. That when you can happen. It, so on, on Thursdays at our farm through the recent time, we had a mock show for all the adults. So in my lesson, you could, we had a warm up plan. You could warm up and then you went in and did your test and we videoed it. And then after the ride, after the lesson, we looked at the test and we talked about what could be better. I recommend doing that. Have a warm-up plan with your trainer. No trainer can, no one can ride your horse, but you at the championship. So if you count on your trainer, and I have clients who do count on me to warm up their horse and help them, and I love it that they do because this is how I make a living, but there I can't. And so you don't want to feel like already you're in trouble. So you need to have a warm-up plan. What is my plan? Am I going to go in? Am I going to stretch? Or is my horse yucky on the stretch at first? Am I going to start in the canter? Am I going to do lateral work in the walk? What is my plan? When you know your plan, you go into that warm-up and you can ride your plan. The next thing I recommend after you've got a warm-up plan, practice your test, you know your test. Know your test front and back. Know the first half, so till the walk pattern. Know your walk pattern and know the second half. So you can be like, oh, I'm a little weak in the right canter work, so I'm going to just work through the second half one more time. You have to know, in my mind, I have to be able to divide it into thirds and ride it like that. And then um, I recommend that you work, make a um, good dialogue with your trainer, like how are we going to improve this? Are we going to improve this? And if you don't have a trainer, have a friend that you can talk to, or if you're that strong and you can just make notes yourself, make sure you have a plan for yourself. Then when you get to the show and it's time to look at the list of everybody who's there, because I spent quite a few years and still do sometimes do this to myself. I look at who's in my class. I really recommend not looking who's in yes. your class because it doesn't, 
it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't it, look. It makes me nervous. <laughs> it's better. It makes me terrible, actually, because then I go, oh, my gosh, Reese Koffler's in there. And then I want to, like, centerline score you and that horse. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, don't do I've never don't gotten look. lower than a 70. Don't That's ridiculous. My never even gotten a 70. How is this going to happen? It's better for me not to know. I just want to know my ride time and who I go after, preferably what number, (laughs) not what name, and get in and ride because you just feed yourself in the warm up when you're when you're riding some, you know, mental image of somebody who and you don't even know what's gonna happen. I mean, first of all, they could not even ride. Second of all, the horse could be lame, it could box them off. I mean, horses are horses. You have to go in and ride your horse, but when you're still mentally riding other people's horses, it's never good. I totally agree. Then my next thing I I tell everybody is make lists, make packing lists. Know what you need to pack. Does your coat need to be dry cleaned? Don't wait until Monday when you're packing up and leaving Wednesday morning and then your coat's not ready. I personally try to not have to do a lot once they get to the horse show. So if you can have, you have cotton shirts that need to be starched, send them to the laundry, let them do them. If, look at all your your show stuff. If your paths aren't bright white, if your wraps aren't bright white, if your pack looks old, if you have, this is one thing that actually bothers me, if you have stirrup leathers where the extra of the stirrup leather is hanging all over the pad and flapping or really long billets that are flapping, Tidy it up. Look at your horse and make the picture very pretty. And, you know, I like to clip off the stirrup leather um, pieces that hang. I like nothing banging and everything tidy. Then my next recommendation is the day it's time for your finals is you need to look your best. So the brightest white bridges you have, put a cover on them. You're not going to stay clean grooming your own horse, so put a cover on it, whatever it is. And look in a mirror after you, like, are getting dressed. Put your helmet on, look in the mirror. Do you have loose hair? Is your, is your bun looking good? Does your hairnet look good? Do you look like you work at a cafeteria? Because most champions don't look like they work at a cafeteria. They look like they have good, tidy hair, tidy helmet. Tighten that strap, make everything look good, pin it down, make it work. One thing that happens to me, and I'll, I'll share this, I, when I do wear a stock tie with my shad belly, the stock tie that I love, loves to pop up and bust out of the top of the shad belly, and it's flapping around. It's ridiculous. So I know that, <laughs> and I pin it down. You know, I've seen that many times. Yeah, happened to me. It's, yep, it's all tidy. And... You know, you don't have to wear makeup if you if you don't like to wear makeup. Wear makeup if you do like to wear makeup. Look like you, but be very clean and tidy. Michelle. Same with the horse. Yes. Michelle? Yes? What color of lipstick do judges like best? Oh, Phil. Well, <laughs> you know, Phil. <laughs> that has always been open topic there. I think it depends on how old you are. But um, yeah. I... I personally used to go for red, and uh, now I'm toning it down a bit. (laughs) 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 But, you know, I like lipstick. It makes me feel good. Do what makes you feel good a little bit. And it makes you not look... Yeah. You don't look so pale. Because people get pale when they go... to vomit. Exactly. Actually, the lipstick is important for women. Yeah, but if you don't like lipstick, don't wear it. (laughs) Yeah, or or put on something. Do what makes you feel good, for sure. and then when it comes to your horse, look at your horse and don't wait until three days before. So we know that we're shipping on October the 7th to our finals. And my body clipper is coming to start clipping the horses on the 28th because I want to know what those horses feel like naked to ride. That they've gotten used to their hair. They've felt their tack. And I'm not waiting and then get on at regionals and get bucked off. And I'm definitely not going to wait till regionals to clip them. I've seen no. this. I think that's ridiculous. Be prepared. And if you're lucky and you have a horse that doesn't grow much hair, don't clip it. I mean, that's fantastic. But make sure your horse is clean, especially that day. It doesn't matter if you have an 8 o'clock ride. Then get there at 5 and scrub his socks and dry them and show sheen them and make him look like a winner. Winners look 
like winners. I've never seen any Olympian look like they didn't belong there. And whether you win or lose, it really is all about how you present yourself and then how you ride. But if you want to be a winner, look like a winner. My next big tip is when you get to the show, read through all of the timesheets. Know when your awards are. Know when different things that are important. If you want to go to, you know, a, a competitor's party or if they're having a a vendor walk or whatever, and write it down. Make yourself a little schedule so you get to enjoy all of those things. And as far as award ceremonies, you should always, in your mind, prepare like you're going. And that way it's written down. If you thought you had a good ride and you've seen your score and it's in the running, put some wraps on your horse. Yes, it is embarrassing to have to take them off, but it's better than not being ready and they're holding the awards for you. And then you're running frantically on the asphalt to your award ceremony. Well, and, and, and just uh, just for that, Michelle, the top eight typically are have to present themselves for yes. the awards. So you need to, you know, you need to be ready and you need to have right wraps and everything that you need. Um, and dressed but, with, and yes, dressed. look back in that mirror one more right. time. I mean, they're going to, this is now it's real. They're going to take your photo and it's mm-hmm. going to be so fun. You've made it there. So definitely have all that timing planned. And then my last tip came a little bit from my husband, mm-hmm. <laughs> who he and I work together. But he said, you know, make, make plans also while you're there to have fun whether it's go to dinner or you're going to go to the competitor's party with your husband or with your friends, maybe your husband isn't able to travel with you, maybe you don't have a husband, but also have some downtime that makes this show memorable because, you know, at ours, I think there are 65 horses qualified in the open pre-St. George. I'm one of the 65. It's going to be real hard to make top eight. (laughs) So it's important that it's not just about getting a neck ribbon in the award ceremony for me that also the horse is well presented. I rode my best. And at the end of the day, I had a very good time with my clients and my friends and it's memorable. Yeah. No, I think you. Yeah. Michelle, if you know me, you know, I've always got a bottle of champagne ready. (laughs) Always on Friday. Whatever there is, is. maybe it's just a Friday, you know, but you gotta, you gotta celebrate things. Exactly. Every little thing. Yeah, and every no horse is colicking yet, you know, or no one's lame yet. You You're so excited. Yeah, maybe you had a bad the ride, but out. celebrate anyways. Yeah, be yeah, appreciative. Exactly. It's, it's a big deal to be there and have a good time, and I totally agree. It really going to regionals. It's a year goal, and it's it's a great goal. But I agree, you have to have a good time, relax. Um, you know, it is a, it's a big you deal. You have to be serious when you have to be serious, and then the rest of the time you should have a good time. And then I do recommend, like, our regionals, I think we're at least going to have 500 horses, which means probably an extra 1,000 or more people to Conyers, Georgia. If you did want to go to dinner in more than a one- or two-person situation, make some reservations. Make a reservation. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Make some reservations. So that you're not there, you know, like, look it up and, you know, make some fun plans for yourself, but make some reservations for dinner so that you do enjoy it. And it's not 11 PM when you're eating dinner and then you're so exhausted the next day. Or McDonald's or, or something quick. Or McDonald's. Grab, I mean, right? how many times have we all done that? Yeah. Oh, um, it's awful. I always feel so terrible. Yeah. This is the first regionals for me in that my oldest child is competing. He qualified and he's awesome. competing and he is 17 years old and very full of life. And so I asked for a tip from him, and he said, well, my tip is when I get to regionals, I'm just going to ride the tar out of that test. And so I do think that's so great. Like, go in and ride it. You have nothing to lose. You know, just lay it down. And I I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to write that down. That was so fantastic. Um, Yeah, I did too. And then... Um, one thing I do, and I don't, we all have our thing that we all do before I get out of my hotel bed every morning when I'm showing, I always lie there and I ride through my test cause I don't have a lot of quiet time, um, because we are really busy at horse shows. And so I just make sure in my mind, 
that I visualize that horse, whatever horse, you know, if I'm riding one in first level and one in third level and one in pre-St. George, I ride my pre-St. George horse and I ride all the highlights. I try to ride it perfect. And she does have some low lights and I ride the low lights in my mind, like how I will handle it. And I don't let myself get out of bed until I've ridden it from start to finish. And then I have a plan. And I try to also a little bit think about a backup plan. You know, you have a horse that doesn't always go from trot to canter on the correct lead and you might need to change it. Where are you going to do that? How are you going to handle it? So that you don't end up running in this bad trot or wrong lead and ride your whole canter circle on the wrong lead because you didn't know how to fix it. That you have a plan because things do go wrong and you need plan B. <laughs> yeah. It's a good, it's a really good suggestion for sure. Yeah. And it looks really good. Okay. It doesn't look good when plan B has to come in, but it does look really good when plan B happens and you have a plan and you handle it and you move on. Excellent. My other last thing I want to say about going to regionals, you have one shot to make a good impression. Don't go in with dirty boots. It drives me crazy. It's <laughs> true, actually. Crazy. Yeah, polish them. And if you had to walk, if you are by yourself and you had to walk through the mud and the dirt, carry a rag with you. There's so many people who would be happy to wipe off the mud of your boots. Um, just differently. If you have to lunge, try not to do it in your boots. Do it in your regular clothes and then change if you can. Hopefully you can get a friend to come and help you. Um, but it is important to look like a winner if you want to be a winner. If you look good, you generally feel good. Oh, I think that's a great point. Yep. I think you're right. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. These are great tips, not just for regionals, for every show. Every you can show. Buy it. Yeah. Really, really good. Thank you so much. How do our listeners find you online? The best way is to Facebook us. And we have a great Facebook page. I have a wonderful girl who keeps it up to date. Um, so it's just Stono River Riding Academy. And you can see what all we're up to and um, keep up with us that way. That's Stono, S-T-O-N-O, right? Correct. River. All right. R-I-V-E-R. Yeah. You got it. Great. Thank you so well, much, Michelle. Good luck, right, Michelle. Thanks for having me tonight. Right, Thank you, y'all, we'll see you too. Soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, as always, we love emails and shout-outs. Keep those coming for us. We uh, always enjoy chatting and hearing from all of our listeners. Um, so keep them coming. We'll bring them on to the show next time we're on. And you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a great show this week. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we will talk to you in two weeks. Thank you.